0: All right, you may be seated. (laughs) Uh, Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We'll read from um, John 1, 35 through 39 but we're only going to look at one phrase um, there in John 39. Again, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to Him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where He was staying. And they stayed with Him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Um, You know, we say... <laughs> I think God brings this song um, often when I am about to preach because it helps me so much. Before the throne of God above, there's been several times when I was about to get up to preach and someone called for it, and it it just helps me so much, especially <laughs> this this second part here. He says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. That helps me. That helps me. And if you if you if you've ever read the Gospel of John, it is all about seeing. Seeing. If you've ever just sat down and read through it, that's, in verse 14 it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. And that is a precursor to what this whole thing's going to be about. John the Baptist comes on the scene, and almost the very first sermon we find him preaching in this gospel is what? Behold, the Lamb of God. That is such an important message that you know what he does? The very next day... Verse 35, again the next day, you know what he does? He repeats his message. Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus comes on the scene and almost some of the first words that we see for Him are, Come, and you will see. Seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Upward I look and see Him there who made an end to all my sin. But as we were singing that, you know the thought that I had? That there are some people in this place that can't sing that. You can't sing that. You've not looked to Christ and your sin has not ended. It's not ended. Your sin is still present with you today. It still looms over your head. You're still, as the Bible says, if you've ever read um, some there, especially in Paul's um, letters, you're still in your sins. Now, I'm only going to speak for very briefly today. I've actually just got one thought here. And so you'll have to listen closely. But I want to address you this morning, um, if that's your situation, if you're still in your sins, I want us to look at this invitation of Christ and the hope that it gives. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, and I think of um, <laughs> of what this gospel says here. It says that those two people heard John speak and they followed Christ. That is our desire this morning. Lord, That that people would hear us speak in the singing and the preaching and the sharing and they would follow Christ. Lord, we, we come to You this morning taking our proper place beneath You under Your Lordship and Your sovereignty and this Word that You've given us here. And we say, Lord Jesus, have Your way this morning. Have Your way. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit for seeing and for hearing. We pray for, pray for clear air. God, may Your Word have free course this morning. Lord, help us to taste and see that the Lord is good. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so we have one phrase here in verse 39. And that's all we're going to look at. And I, just, I want to bring out two aspects of it. And the phrase is here. The invitation of Christ. Come and you will see. Come and you will see. The first aspect I want to bring out is that there is no seeing without coming. There is no seeing without coming. Now, what does it mean to come to Christ? We actually get a little bit of help on this in John chapter 6. Um, You can go ahead and turn over there. John chapter 6. We're asking the question... What does it mean to come to Christ? That's the first part of this invitation. That's the invitation. And then you get the promise. You will see. So what does it mean to come? Look there in... Let's see here. Uh, Verse 35. Verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to Me will not hunger, he who believes in Me will never thirst. You see the way that he's using those two words interchangeably. Now the New Testament does this a lot with this concept of faith, or just the thought, you know, what is faith? What does it mean to have faith in Christ? What does that look like? like? Well, the New Testament writers, they use a couple of different ways and a couple of different pictures of faith. Sometimes they'll talk about it in terms of looking to Christ. Other times they talk about it in terms of coming to Christ. And there are other ways, but the basic underlying thing here is that you don't have to change the place where you're standing to become a Christian this morning. You don't have to change geography. It doesn't require that you go somewhere else to see the Lord Jesus Christ today. When, when Jesus invites you to come to Him, the invitation is to change your mindset towards Him, to change your relationship towards Him. It's the idea of believing Him, of taking Him at His Word, of taking your place under His Lordship and saying, Lord, everything that you've said about both me and you is true, and I am coming to submit to you. My life is now on your altar. That is the invitation to come. So we need to clear that up. We need to know what we're talking about here. So when we say come, when Christ says come, I want us to have this in mind. So what we said previously, the first aspect is there is no seeing without coming. Um, and again, if you 're there in John Chapter Six, I want you to see a group of people that have done this Now, this group of people that is with Christ, it says earlier on in Chapter Six that they were following him because they saw Jesus performing all these signs on those who were sick and so um, and then Jesus, I think uh, previous to previous to this immediate Um, What we're about to read, he has taken um, five barley loaves and two fish and he's multiplied them and he fed the people. They come and they want to take him by force and make him king. And then we get into this discussion when they find him on the other side of the sea. He says to this, he says this right here in verse 36. Verse 36. Right, well, let's start up in verse 35, what we just read. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Here's a group of people that are looking at Christ, but they're not seeing anything. In other words, they're looking to Christ. They're trying to see without coming. How do we know this? If you notice what they said previously, they said this. Um, Jesus is talking about, um, they say, what shall, we do, uh, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. And then, you know what they say? They say, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? You see what they've done? they've reversed the order of the invitation. They're saying, we want to see, and then we will believe you. And so many people get caught up at this very spot. What they want to do is they're sitting on the judgment bench and Christ is on trial out here and they're judging according to their standards of whether or not Christ is who He says He is and whether or not they are who He says He is. You see that? You're looking and, and it's almost as though that putting your faith in Him would be something that patronizes Him. It's almost like you would be doing Him a favor because you, from your position, are pronouncing on Him, okay, I see that you are true. You see if you reverse the order it messes up everything. You see this a lot in another area too of people that are waiting to be converted and then they'll believe. You're waiting to have some experience, you're waiting for your you know, you're waiting for your heart to be warmed and then you'll put your faith in him. That happens all the time. Rachel's testimony, if you've ever heard it, she says that you know, she, she was sitting there and she was waiting for something to happen and then, all the, and then she would believe and all of a sudden one day it occurred to her, wait a second, I've never believed. I've never just put my trust in Christ. And that, that verse there in Mark was the one that was used where Jesus says, whatever things you ask, believing, you will receive it. And so she began to ask God for salvation and thank Him that He had given it to her and she was a Christian. She put her faith on the Lord Jesus Christ and she was saved. But a lot of people get messed up at this point. You're sitting around waiting for this experience or you're you're actually waiting to get converted before you believe. But the invitation is not come and see, then believe. It's believe and then you will see. Believe and then you will see. Put your faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this comes up a couple of times uh, in this very gospel. Jesus tells you this in John chapter 7, verse 17. He says, if anyone is willing to do his will, God's will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak for myself. Now, that is amazing. Christ is making faith a prerequisite to knowing. And to seeing if anyone is willing to do God's will, you'll know of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's from God or whether He's just like Buddha and Muhammad and all these other religious leaders out there that are speaking from Himself. So the question is this Are you willing to come to Christ? Are you willing to put yourself under Christ? This comes up again in John chapter 11. Jesus is dealing with Mary and Martha, and he says this. He says, did I not tell... If you're turning there, it's verse 40. I hear leaves. (laughs) All right, we'll look there. John 11, 40. Well, let's start in 39. Jesus said, remove the stone." Martha, the sister of the deceased, now remember Lazarus had died, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Now look at, look at what Jesus says to her. It's the exact same thought. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Here's what J.C. Ryle said on that. Let us note that if we would see much, we must first believe. Man's natural idea is just the reverse. He, he would first see and then believe. But Christ says, no, you're not coming to me that way. You're not going to ever get anywhere with the Lord Jesus Christ on those terms. You're never going to come to Him and look over Him as a judge, um, over Him trying to dissect according to your standards whether or not He meets up to what your thoughts should be about a Savior. He says, no, you're not coming that way. You are going to have to come and put yourself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, everything You said about both me and You is true and I am coming to put my life under You. Christ says, anyone who does that will see. Anyone who does that. Everyone who does that. And that's the promise. The first aspect of this verse is, there is no seeing apart from coming. The second aspect of this verse is, there is no coming without seeing. Everyone who comes sees. Everyone Now, this is an astounding promise, and this promise gets proved over and over and over in the Gospel of John. Even this invitation that is being given here in John chapter 1 to come and you will see, it's given to those two disciples that heard John the Baptist speak. His message, look, and they follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus turns and follows them and says, What do you seek? That'd be a good question to, to ponder around in your heart. What do you seek? He said, and you know what they say? Where are you staying? I want to be with you. He says, come and you will see. So they go and they stay with Him. It's a little bit late in the day. So they stay with Him until the next day. And the next thing that we hear from one of those disciples, Andrew, you know what He says? We have found the Messiah. He came and He saw. He saw something. The next day, Jesus purposes to go into Galilee and he finds Philip and says, follow me. You know, the next thing we hear from Philip, he's talking to Nathanael. He says, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. He had seen something. Even later on in John chapter 1 there with Nathanael, Jesus is answering his question, how did you know me? Because Christ kind of describes who he is. And Jesus says to him, before, I, before I, um, Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And in those words, something was revealed to him of the glory of Christ. And you know what he says? Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. What had happened? Nathanael had come and he had seen in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to a woman about water. And she is just not getting the point of this discussion. And so Jesus begins to clear things up. And eventually, if you read that conversation, the tables begin to get turned. Yeah. That, Jesus is no longer the one sitting on trial when she says, You know, Lord, this well is deep. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then are you going to get that living water? Now the tables are completely turned. He's not on trial. She is. And he begins to reveal himself to her. And all of a sudden she says, I know that Messiah is coming. When that one comes, <laughs> he will declare all things to us. And you can almost, if, you're, if you read the account, you can almost see her leaning in, expecting the very answer that she receives. I who speak to you am he. And she left her water pot and went into the city Begin to proclaim Him to all the people. What happened? She had seen something. One more. John chapter 9. A glorious account. Jesus heals a man that's been born blind and then this man gets into all kinds of trouble with the religious leaders for not proclaiming Christ to be a heretic for breaking the Sabbath because he opened this blind man's eyes. And so this man begins, at least in some ways, he's not ready to condemn Christ. And so these guys just get so mad and they put him out of the 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 synagogue or the temple there and you know what it says it says jesus heard that they put him out of the, they, they had put him out he went and he found him and he said to him do you believe in the son of man this man says who is he lord that i might believe in him jesus says you have both seen him and he is the one talking to you and you know what the man says lord i believe And it says, and he worshipped him. He worshipped him. The first true glimpse that anyone ever gets of the Lord Jesus Christ is from the ground looking up. You've humbled yourself in the dust. You've laid yourself on his altar. And where your first glance up is the glory of God in the face of Christ. If you've never seen anything this morning, if He is just to you, another person throughout history, just know that the Bible already told you that that's the way it would be like. You are born blind. You can't see anything. The Bible has already addressed all of your questions about why don't I see Him. You know, I, these, some of these people, they seem to, to, to love the Lord Jesus, but I, I don't see anything in Him. There's nothing in me that's drawn after His beauty. There's nothing in me that just compels me toward His glory. I don't see anything. The Bible has already addressed that question. And His command to use this, Come and you will see. Come and you will see. Jesus gives you promise on top of promise. In John chapter 6, He says, The one who comes to Me, I will certainly not cast out. So how do you come to Him? You say, I'm blind. That's the way you come. You come blind. You bring your blindness to the Lord Jesus Christ and you sit at his feet and you say, Lord, I know I should see you. I know I should serve you. I know I should love you. I'm as blind as a bat. I need your help. I need you to open my eyes. And I am going to sit here and trust you for my salvation until that happens. You put yourself on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. This is one of the stated purposes of why he came into the world. Why he lived a perfect life and died under the wrath of God, was raised on the third day and is seated at the right hand of God. He puts one of the purposes for all of that in the context of helping people just like you. John chapter 9. We'll close with this. John chapter 9. Verse 39. Now realize what's just happened here. This uh, account that I've just retold to you about this blind man. He says Jesus reveals to him that he's the Son son of Man and he believes and worships Him. This is Jesus' commentary on that situation. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see. Jesus came into the world so that those who do not see may see. So come to Christ this morning. Come believingly. Lay yourself on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Him with all of your life and you will see. You will see. Will you believe Him in that? Will you believe Him at that point? Let's pray. Father, we just ask for great grace, for mercy and the power of Your Holy Spirit, for spiritual sight and faith and help. Lord, we pray that that You would save Your people. In Jesus' name, Amen.